This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. I felt like they had six guys out there, I think, for the first 10 minutes. We just, uh, yeah, we just didn't get to our game. Um, you know, it was just little things. Um, we were getting hemmed in our zone, whatever it was, getting pucks out or, you know, blocking that shot or getting a stick on it. Um, but, you know, I felt, you know, once that goal went in, we, we definitely started to find ourselves, find our game. Uh, we had a great second period where, again, we, we probably could have had two or three. Um, but that's something where we just got to stay disciplined with our system. Um, understand that it's a, it's a frustrating loss, but we got a, we got a big game tomorrow, too. Move on to one loss to the San Jose Sharks last night for the Winnipeg Jets. L.A. Kings coming up later uh, on ice. Ice side analyst for the L.A. Kings, Daryl Evans, friend of the program, will be joining us after 12.30 from L.A. To tee up the game uh, tonight is the Winnipeg Jets are on their first away road back-to-back of the season, which is uh, kind of a little odd to say come December 13th because, I don't know, I always feel like Jim Toth that, the Jets get wrangled up into a couple of these, at least by this point. Um, but, you know, their first real road back-to-back test uh, going on tonight against uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois and the LA Kings. Yeah, it'll be a tough test tonight, too, with the LA Kings. Uh, um, we're going to get into that with Daryl Evans, and too, but that's a disappointing loss last night against yeah. the San Jose Sharks. I, I really thought that after what we saw in Anaheim that – they would come from behind and win that game. Or not from behind, but when there was 1-1. Mm. I thought they had a really good second period. I thought there were some key players, like Ehlers was flying in the second. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third period as well. But the first period cost them. They gave it the one goal. Now, that shouldn't have cost them the game. But um, I liked the way they played in the second and the third, Cam. I, I thought things could have been a lot less perimeter stuff. Mm. They were creating and fast and in the zone, though. And uh, they very easily could have eked that out, but it didn't go their way. The penalty on on Dylan DeMello, um, and then the power play let them down. Last night was a prime example of a game. And say what you want about the San Jose Sharks. They're now no longer the worst place in the team in the league the Chicago Blackhawks are. But and Anaheim's below them now. The Okay, Anaheim is yeah. too. The power play cost them that game last yeah. night. They had a bad period. They were down one nothing. They tied the game and were flying the whole time. You have five-man advantages, and you can't get one goal out of it. One goal would have been the difference in that game. Yeah, that's what happened. The, the power play and its struggles, and I know Kyle Connor wasn't there, but— We'll talk it, about Kyle Connor in a second. Yeah, to me, the Kyle, even with Kyle Connor, it looked like it does when it struggles, and it wasn't fast enough. Mm-hmm. There was too much looking to where you wanted to go with it as opposed to going with it instinctively. Which has been their problem earlier on. Yeah, and then we'll get into Ehlers a little bit too. Like I said, I thought he had a phenomenal second period, but that last power play with about three minutes to go, um, I, Ehlers turned the puck over four times. And and one I, not official turnovers, yeah. but shot into a defender that was standing right in front of him, lost it along the boards. Um, passes that he was telegraphing, and it wasn't just Ehlers. It, like that's the problem when the puck doesn't move and they don't they don't move around fast yeah. enough with it on the power play. It just I can tell where they're going to pass it, listening on the radio and watching it on the TV. So I can imagine a defender goes, if you're going to look that way, lean that way, yeah. and then pass it that way, I'm going to get my stick in the lane, and that's what happened on the power play with Got to go. move the puck quickly on the power play, yes. especially. That's why, you know, remember we had uh, uh, Scott O'Neill was discussing this, and he was yeah. talking and he, earlier on this year, uh, associate coach of the Winnipeg Jets, about how they everybody's keeping things to the outside, which I thought the Jets relatively did. You know, I thought Laurent Brassois on that goal in the third period that gave the, um, 
that gave the win over to the Sharks. I just think he didn't get over to the he didn't get over to the other side of the net quick enough. I I, I thought that that's where sort of you want to be giving up chances, but that was my that was my opinion on that. Um, Power play just cost him the game in my mind. Yeah. We can dissect it and go yeah. other ways and the penalties they took and all that. Yeah, yeah. You get five power plays against a team like San Jose, you got to get a goal. Here's Ehlers uh, on what you were just talking about. We had a lot of almost plays, um, and we got to make those. Um, you know, especially me, I have three shots from my side as a one-timers, and, and I missed the net twice, and it got blocked once. So I got to be better uh, on that side. Um, but I, 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 I liked our movement. Um, I still think that we created enough to score, but uh, we obviously need to put those in tomorrow. See, and that's interesting. They did create, and they then they couldn't finish, right? Like the second period to me was all about finishing. And he talked about, I mean, you. I love that about Nick Ehlers. You can ask him what's going on, and he'll start with himself and tell you exactly what's going on. Um, you got to hit the net. They yeah. missed the net a ton last night. So it's hard to be upset with it, other than the fact that it's a game that they probably should have won and got away from them. But yeah. the second and third, they played well. But all the chances they had, they couldn't finish and they couldn't hit the net. And then when it came down to that last power play with three minutes to go, I honestly thought they were going to tie it. Um, and and then they just poor passes, like he said, not quick enough. They, needed, they, they were unable to get that timely goal. You hear about it all the time, the yeah. timely goal, the timely goal. Uh, Analytics people hate the timely goal, but I'll, I'll argue I, this. I don't understand. I, you know what, Jimmy? We could talk about that. I don't understand that. Because I'll argue timely, it to the death. I'll, uh, I, 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 a timely goal or a timely save completely changes the momentum of a game. I've, I've talked about this because they asked me about it. How do you not understand there are no timely goals? And I said, how do you not understand that timely saves and timely goals are? And they were like, well, what's a timely save? What is save 31 compared to save two? And I said, in a 2-2 game, in a third period with eight minutes to go and your goalie stops a breakaway, that is a timely save compared to a nothing-nothing game in the mm. first period, and he stops a breakaway. It's a more timely save. I I, I don't understand the argument. I don't get well, it. Well, their argument is is a save's a save. Well, no, it isn't. It isn't. And I'll, I'll argue the same way, too, that— A goal isn't a goal, Jim, because a goal to make a game 6-1 is different than a goal when it's tied 2-2 and you score midway through the third period. That uh, goal is different than one that's a 6-1 goal. A breakaway save with eight minutes to go in a 2-2 game is different than a breakaway save when you're down 7-1 with eight minutes to go in the third period and you just prevented it from being 8-1. Yeah. That's a save. Yeah. Analytically, it's not a bigger save or lesser save than the others, but it's a time. Statistically, it, it's not a timely save compared to when it's two-two at the same time to go in the third. Statistically, yeah, it goes down on the little stat sheet on the numbers, and it just goes down as a little tick, just as the same one. But you cannot have but an see, argument. And that, the argument around that is, it's a game of momentum and heart and everything. And if you give up that goal with eight minutes to go in the third, the momentum of the game shifts. All of a sudden, you've got less time. You need a goal. Vice versa, we just went up. Let's roll here. Well, Laurent Brassois, and even you can even say Mackenzie Blackwood last night, both had timely saves in situations yes, where the game yeah. could have totally shifted. Brassois, I mean, was the difference in the first yeah. by far. Yeah. I mean, if he lets in two or three, and I mean, argue it all you want, but if yeah. it's three nothing after one, it's a different game. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And then same with Blackwood. Blackwood makes a couple saves on that power play in, in the third with three minutes to go, and you're telling me those aren't more timely than the saves he made in the first? That's I, I, 
I don't know how somebody who sits and watches hockey can't understand the concept of a timely save or a timely goal because they are well, real just, true whatever. things. I mean, we all have our intricacies and thoughts about it, but that, like my point of that is, is just that that's a great point too. Lauren Brassois in the first period was that's two games in a row now where yeah. I have no concerns about him as a backup and where they are at goaltending wise. But I, look, it's just what the clip you ran was that Brendan Dillon at the start where Brendan Dillon yeah, at the start, then he where he ridiculous. just said we can let it. Those are the the losses that bother. I think like those, you go in yeah. and lose eight, one to Kings tonight, you come home, whatever, you know, we won't be that bad again, or maybe they'll be good, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Those are the losses last night that you really have to wash because those are the ones that we really probably should have won that game. Well, they should have. I mean, the Winnipeg judge should have yeah. won that game. They didn't, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, they didn't. The way she goes. Sometimes she comes, sometimes, sometimes she goes. She, yeah, and last it night she went. And I wouldn't say it was a poor loss. Um, you know, certainly the Winnipeg Jets would have liked to have a better start in that game. Uh, but if you watch over the course of it, I mean, sometimes these these games happen. Uh, is there a context we can add to it? Wonky start time, travel, nine 9.30 local time start? No, I just, I'm not even going to lay in with the Kyle Connor news and, and everything like that. I just, um, look, that's San Jose's MO. That's the scouting report on them this year. They come out of the gate in the first and they come hard. Yeah. Problem is, is they're not very good. And they're not a very deep team. So yeah. they'll come out after you great. But if you can sustain it and punch back, it's when you punch back against them. That, But For the Kelly show, Moore yeah. said it yesterday on my show. You know, the last 10 games, if you look at the way they've won, I mean, and, and lost games, they, they don't give up. They work hard. Sullivan's done a good job there with the roster he has. The problem is the roster he has isn't very good. But – You've got to be good. You've got to execute. And that's what the thing that came down to me last night. The Jets played well in the second and third period. I liked what they did. Um, they drew penalties, everything. Their execution on the power play cost them that game last night, in my opinion. So the latest on Cal Connor, uh, this is from the Winnipeg Jets. The team earlier today placed Cal Connor on injured reserve and recalled Dominic Toninato from the Manitoba Moose on an emergency basis. Okay, so we, we await confirmation from A the team. A smart man on this show told me that well, yesterday. I figured it would be Toninato. I'm looking right at him, and he said Toninato. You know, when, I, when, I, when I, 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 I follow this team, I know how they tick, and I looked at the roster for the Manitoba Moose, and I said, well, they're going to they're gonna recall Toninato because they know what they're getting, and I think they want to keep Labbert and Chibrikov and stuff like that. I was the in the newsroom at my desk right beside you when that news came out, and I just turned and I said, you magnificent. <laughs> wow. You Bad I don't. I love patting myself on the back, but uh, um, so, anyways, we 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 await confirmation from the team as to what sort of significance the injury to Kyle Connor is, what the timeline could be, how many weeks. Listen, we weren't. We've seen the reports. There's some very credible sources. Darren Drager's been on the show several times. TSN Insider. Uh, he's he's been talking about this. You know, six, eight weeks. The thing is, here at this moment, we don't know until the team makes it official, and until Rick Bonus comes out and has word with the Jets. Because, and this is my thoughts on this. When Casey went back to Winnipeg from San Jose after he had that MRI there. Sort of my perception of the events is the team wants to make sure they know the exact extent of the injury, the best course of action, rehab, surgery, both, what that what that's all going to look like to get him back as quickly as possible with the Winnipeg Jets on the ice and move from there. So I don't want to make any official statements as to how long it's no, going to be, we'll but I think it, but, bonus to say, but I think it's safe to say that it's going to he's going to be missing. He's going to miss some. Time, he's going to like miss a lengthy, time. a lengthy, significant. He's amount on of time. IR now, so yeah. Um, but I, I I understand that he's been evaluated. Then he flew home yesterday. Yeah. He's going to be evaluated again. They want to make sure. Yeah. Why put something out of that? But yeah. it looks like it's going to be multiple weeks. But again, I don't. 
I personally don't have. This isn't Shohei Atane. <laughs> I'm okay to wait till we get official work. Well, I, so am I. We'll be right back. Hey, lots to get to. Daryl Evans will join us right after 1230. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. While Stanley Cup winning coach for the St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube, was let go yesterday. Blues on a four-game skid, 13-14-1. and one. Uh, What do you think about that, Jim? Was, was, was Craig Berube given a opportunity to succeed this year with that roster. No, I think it's more the roster. The roster is what it is. And and if you watch them this year, like I don't expect them to be very good at all. They win a couple games in a row and then they absolutely get pounded a couple games in a row. They've now lost four in a row. They were up and then lost to Detroit last night. That's the roster I see. So that's, that's exactly how I see it. Good on the new coach Bannister, but I kind I don't see anything changing for the blues. LA Kings ice side analyst Daryl Evans will uh, join us right after this to tee up tonight's game here on 680 CJOB. Jets, Kings, don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. It's game day again. Let's get you back to Jets at noon. Back to back game days. Of course, the Jets. Back to back. That, that kid in that room there through the window, he's ready to go. He's excited. That's Hollywood Peters ready to go. I, he, had a, he had a beer league game last night at 11, 10 p.m. He showed up, yeah. down 3-2, couple minutes to go. He said, I'll no, do it, no, boys. No, we no, got to no. get out of no, here. No, 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 no. Game-winning goal and game-tying goal. Up uh, up 2-1. Oh, a, a couple of tucks. A couple of empty netters, couple and then rips, you went yeah. home. Come on. You told me you were the hero. Gave the skates a sharpen first time this season, boys. Oh, just what buzzing a around out there. <laughs> what a difference. Thought, thought I was going to get the call, uh, maybe be on the plane to L.A. right now, but Took apparently the, not. Get the call. Apparently he wanted Dominic Toninato. It, yeah. it was either Dominic or you that got the tap after that. It was that a tough light show I, last night. I heard from that the Division Jets. three game. It was a tough, it was a tough decision. <laughs> they, they went with Dominic agent, Toninato. you got to get your agent to answer that phone on a Wednesday night, yeah. Tuesday night. As Kyle Connor moves to the IR. Thanks a lot, Skyler. We're joined now. We, oh, anyways, we've got the game coming up tonight. Skyler talking about that back-to-back. Jets in Los Angeles, 7.30 pregame show puck drop at 9 30 right here on 680 cjob jets and kings joined by daryl evans la kings ice side analyst uh, daryl happy to have you back on the show buddy ah, it's always great to talk to you guys how you doing excellent daryl good to have you on as well doing great um better that the jets caught the kings at home tonight <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's uh they, uh they played some amazing road hockey needless to say this year uh they have been much better at home over uh, the last number of games, uh, a little bit of a sluggish start at home, one, three, and three to start the season. But I think some of that had to do with, uh, you know, getting settled back in, coming back from Australia. And then you look at the first four opponents the Kings had at home. They had uh, Toronto, Carolina, Boston, Vegas, uh, all division winners, the defending Stanley Cup champions, and the Boston Bruins who had set a, you know, an NHL record for most points in the season. So it wasn't, it wasn't an easy task. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they've settled in. They're playing a lot better at home, but uh, they need to get uh, start taking advantage of that uh, and try to, you know, match the road record that they've had. If they're able to do that, they'll be in a good spot come the end of the year. You know, Darrell, a lot of people I talked to in the offseason were saying, you know, watch out the L.A. Kings playoff team last year. Really like what they built. They made the trade with the Jets for, for center Pierre Luc Dubois, and everybody said, you know, they'll go as far as Cam Talbot, and if he can find the fountain of youth, well, in 18 games, he's got a 931 save percentage, 1.91 goals against average. Just how good has Talbot been this year the, at 36 years old? The best goaltender in the league over the last month, according to the numbers, Cam yeah. Talbot, yeah. 
No, he's just been real steady. Uh, I think the Kings and you know anybody that's watched our team over the last you know fifteen twenty years uh, will understand that they provide a, a pretty good uh, platform for for goaltenders to be able to perform in. Uh, they try to limit it to one shot. They try to keep the shooting lanes, uh, you know, the sight lines open for the goaltenders to be able to find the puck and you know clear rebounds away. Uh, and Talbot has been able to do that. Um, I think he's getting real familiar with his defensemen their tendencies, you know, where to hand them the puck and where they are on the ice, what they're capable of doing, and, uh, you know, maybe where their weaknesses are. So he's, uh, he's really dialed in right now. Um, he's, you know, his, his eyes are finding the pucks early. For the most part, he's controlling the rebounds, and he's, he's having a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he's probably played a little bit more than, you know, than he expected to play at this time of the season, but uh, because of the way he's playing and, uh, you know, the, the activity that he's seen in games – uh, the, you know, the team's helped him out. Um, you know, he's been able to play at at, uh, at that level and, and as many games as he has. But uh, he's uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch and great to see a guy that, you know, has been around for a while to, you know, like you say, kind of catch that, you know, find the fountain of youth again. And uh, he's having fun playing the game. So, so that's good. And the Kings are being rewarded because of it. Well, he's been a big part of where the team is right now. I mean, they got four games in hand here on Vancouver. They got uh, five on Vegas. Nine points back of Vegas and three back of, of, of Vancouver. You know, in in, in Daryl Daryl Evans, uh, LA Kings eyesight analyst, joining us. Daryl, I I really think the Kings are a great team. Um, what do you think? In you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but what do you think makes this team? I, I'm just going to go ahead and assume you think that they are a contender to come out of the Pacific Division here. So, what makes them a contender right now? I think it's the depth that they have. Uh, you know, the way they put their lines together, they're getting cont- contributions from all four lines. All four lines not only are capable of, of scoring, but they're also capable of defending. And I think that's why, you know, the success in the road, at least to this point of the season, you know, when the opposition feels, okay, we'll get this matchup, we'll get this matchup. But, you know, the Kings, they don't really, you know, it, it doesn't really bother them who you put your top lines out against, that they have enough trust and confidence in the Lazat Lewis, and whether it's Grunstrom, Kaliev, that you know they can defend just as well. So uh, I think that's what makes it real tough. They are getting contributions, goal-scoring depth throughout the lineup. They're getting a little bit more from back in the blue line. I think uh, the addition of England back in the blue line has, has been a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know They knew they were going to bring somebody in with some physicality in this game, but uh, he's been paired up with Jordan Spence uh, since game two, and they've done a really nice job together. And Gabrikov, you know, they acquired him late last year, and he just continues to keep, uh, you know, doing what uh, they, they'd hoped he would do and maybe even add a little bit more offense. So I think it's the balance throughout the lineup that makes them very difficult to play against. Uh, they have the mentality. They're driven by guys like Kopitar and Doughty that have, you know, they've been to the promised land. They've won the cup. They know what it takes. And last year, after getting beat by Edmonton for the, you know, second straight year in the first round, there was a uh, an attitude that uh, it was unacceptable. And this year they're out to prove something. So it's a long way to go. We're only a quarter of the way through the season. But uh, this is a team that should be able to compete night in and night out. Uh, the, you know, we've seen a big increase in the penalty kill. A lot has to do with the goaltending, Talbot, and uh, Copley have done a good job in that regard. You know, usually when your penalty killing's at its best, your goaltender's your best penalty killer. But Trevor Lewis, Blake Lazat have added to that. Uh, they generally start most penalty kills. And that's given guys like Kopitar uh, a little bit more rest uh, you know, to be able to utilize that energy offensively. So it's uh, just a, it's a, it's a team effort, uh, you know. And uh, you know they've yet to see the power play, you know, find its groove. Uh, a lot of changes from last year. 
obviously with Velarde going to Winnipeg and then Victor Arvidsson, who hasn't played uh, because of an injury, you know, you remove two right-handed shots and now you've got uh, a different approach with guys coming with left-handed shots. So they're still figuring that all out, still clipping, a, you know, just about 20% there. So I think there's a, a little bit of improvement that uh, can happen in that regard. And it's just a matter of uh, taking it one game at a time, but everybody is dialed in and they're playing as a, as a, as a one-man unit right now. He wouldn't be the first player to struggle moving to a new team and signing a big contract, but what is going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois? What have you seen from his game through 25 games? You know, we see we see parts of his game, uh, you know, that really excite everybody. And, it, you know, he, he's a big, strong guy. And I think sometimes everybody, when a guy makes a move, you know, they look at personal statistics, you know, goals and assists and things like that. Well, I think you can maybe measure his impact on the success of the team and what guys like Kopitar are doing, what guys like Deneau are doing, and even Blake Lissot, for all that matter, up the middle of the ice. Uh, he he adds that depth, and he makes the opposition play different against you. So, yeah, they'd like to see some more numbers come from him. And I think once he establishes himself with consistent line mates, you know, he's had a couple of different line, sets of line mates through the course of the year, uh, you know, those numbers will come. But he, like I say, he's made a big difference in this hockey club from his presence, his size, the physicality that he brings, and also, uh, you know, just the way the opposition have to approach playing against the Kings, the way they, they match up. So, uh, there's still, uh, you know, still uh, a lot of room for improvement, I think, with regards to PL. Uh, but he's having fun, and you know, he's still getting acclimated. Again, he's only been here for, you know, a couple of few months, but uh, I think the team's done a great job at embracing him, and uh, we're going to see some uh, some great hockey out of him for, you know, not only this season but for a lot of years ahead. Daryl Evans, LA Kings, Eyesight analyst, joining us. Um, Daryl, I remember when there was the conversations were really starting to heat up between the Winnipeg Jets and the LA Kings about Pierre-Luc Dubois and about that trade. You know, we, we know Gabe Velarde, Rasmus Kupari, Alex Iafalo, uh, you know, finding their way to Winnipeg PLD going to the Kings. But a lot of the conversation was about, you know, is Quinton Byfield also a part of that conversation? I think the Kings kind of held their ground and um, and wanted to make sure that they kept Quinton Byfield as a member of the Kings. What kind of season has he had and what kind of growth have you seen from him? Uh, he's had a remarkable season. You know, I think his name, uh, you know, had come up uh, in you know that deal, and you know, possibly a couple of other deals. But uh, you know, credit to the Kings uh, coaching staff, ownership, management. You know, when they when they elected to you know pick Byfield, you know, the number two overall pick in the draft, uh, I think they were committed to you know being patient with him. Again, he's still just 21 years of age. Turned 21 at the end of uh, August. Um, they saw what they just went through with Kempe you know, how long it took him to find his stride. And, you know, they have a world-class elite player in him who the last couple of years has scored 35 and 41 goals respectively. So in Byfield's case, you know, with the depth that they had up the middle of the ice, and that was prior to getting, uh, you know, Dubois, they'd already moved him to the wing last year, that they felt playing with Kopitar and Kempe, uh, you know, a couple of great tutors for him. Uh, and, you know, it took a little bit of responsibility away from him, uh, you know, not having to play that, that middle position. His, his game is growing leaps and bounds. Uh, the strength in his game, the confidence that he has, allows him to play with the pace that he has. He not only is playing on that line, he's contributing that line. He, he's, he's an engine on that line. He keeps plays alive in the offensive zone. And we've seen him, like he scored a highlight reel type of goal in Montreal last week, taking the puck down and off his off wing. So uh, we're starting to see that offensive player come out. Uh, he's skating. He's stronger. He's more mature. He's, he's a little heavier. I mean, he's, 
he's over 225 pounds. And again, he's just 21. He probably hasn't even stopped growing yet. So uh, there's, there's uh, you know, the sky's, the sky's the limit for him. Um, you know, he's only going to continue to keep getting better, but he's uh, finding his way around the league, getting a feel for some of the guys that he plays up against. And he's a lot more physical than he was. And he's staying on his feet. You know, he got knocked off pucks in his first year, but now he's winning those battles. He's coming out with the puck and making plays. He's, he's comfortable. And his line mates, Kopitar, you know, in particular, who, you know, just a lot of talking in that line, both he and Kempe love playing with Byfield. And they encourage him to go up there and do things. Uh, they know what his, you know, his capabilities are. And they're, they're, they have trust in him. So they're encouraging him to make plays. And, you know, if there's mistakes made, they'll, they'll help clean those mistakes up. So he's in a good spot right now. He's uh, playing with a couple of world-class players. And because of that, his game continues to grow. He's, you know, for the last, uh, you know, 17, 18 games, he's almost a point-of-game guy. So uh, it's, it's great to see. And he's been a big uh, contributor as to why the Kings have had success to this part of the year. Yeah, you forget it was only, he's only drafted in 2022. Like, I mean, yeah. in 2020, yeah. I mean, in 2020. Uh, yeah. Daryl Evans, LA Kings, Ice Side analyst joining us. Jets, Kings, pregame show gets going at 7.30. Uh, puck drop at 9.30 right here on 680 CGB. Daryl, always a pleasure, man. Take care. All right, guys, stay healthy and well. All the best. Happy holidays, and we'll look forward to catching up with you guys again soon. Yeah, yeah same to you and yours, Daryl. Thanks for this. Have Absol- a good game tonight. Have Absolutely. a great call. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Daryl. Let's take it. let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. We'll get some text messages from you guys. 204-780-6868. Happy Hanukkah as well to all my uh, the Jewish listeners. Yes. Them, the family as well. Can't forget the, that, but... Uh, also like to wish Happy everybody Hanukkah a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to you, sir. I also like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas as well. Well, it's not Christmas yet, but... Happy well, Hanukkah to you, you, yeah. You start saying Merry Christmas. Is it too early to say Merry Christmas? I was once Happy New Year in March. What? That's a Seinfeld reference. I didn't make that up. Yeah. That's it, too is, it, far. is it too early to say Happy Merry Christmas? December 13th? I don't know. Like this time of the year, I like to say Happy Holidays. And then when we get to Christmas, I say Merry Christmas. And then like on Sunday, I said Happy Hanukkah. Okay. But right now, it just it's kind of like you're in Hanukkah and Christmas is coming. I just go happy holidays. Okay. Well, you, but at Christmas, <laughs> I go Merry Christmas. Maybe the 23rd, 24th, that's when I start giving the... Because you can't... Because I'm not going to see you, so Merry Christmas. Okay, so holidays too, you know, you might be talking about New Year. It's way too early to wish somebody a happy New Year. I'll tell you what. Once you get out of January, the happy New Year is over. It's good to see you. How's the year going? It's not... March Happy New Year. You shouldn't Happy New Year somebody on this on the third of January. Really? I'll give you second as a as a little bit of a break. I'll because, give you January because you had the first off. So if you see people for the first time on the second, you can say Happy New Year. Then third, it's out. But if I don't see you till January twentieth, I'll say Hey Cam, Happy New Year. But once I get to February, I'll say How's the year going? We'll be right back. How's she going? Chats at noon on 680 CJOB. We got time for some text messages from you guys. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. This one. Hi, Cam and Jim. I've been telling you the power play has been on life support all season. Finally, today, you're talking about it. The loss was not the goalie's fault. That one from Terry. Terry, we've been talking about the power play all year. It's got to be better. It cost them the game last night. Yeah. Special teams. See, listen, we were just we we're just looking at this, Jim, about where the Winnipeg Jets sit right now in the league standings in terms of points. Right now, the Winnipeg Jets are 10th in the league in points with 34, right? Yes. Uh, nine points are separating them. Uh, 11 points are separating them and Vegas from, from 10th to 10th to 1st. Okay. In terms of 5-on-5 five five play, right now, the Winnipeg Jets are 4th in the league in terms of 5-on-5 five five play. So that's where, that's where the penalty kill and the power play are dropping them. 
Okay. Right. That's that's yeah, how much yeah. it's harming them right now. Where it's not like it's not destroying their chances of making the postseason, but it's dropping them four points in the standings. That's that's significant. It just think of last night alone, and and that's why I say last night it really cost them because San Jose you should beat. Yeah, you get five power plays, you should get two goals against San Jose minimum, but you should get one at least. Um, and then they're back in first in the central. So I just yeah. Um, you know, now they're in third, whatever, they're fine. They're 10th overall in the National Hockey League, but it just, that's a a game that you got to, you know, and, and the power play really, like I honestly believe the power play was a difference last night if they could have got it going. So I just, we'll see where it goes, what had happened. We did see it come around a bit when they moved the puck quicker and everything like that, and I'm pretty sure they would show it on uh, I got, I take, film I have, to the players. And I have to take back. I said that the Winnipeg Jets are fourth right now in terms of five-on-five five play. Uh, with goals for and against are actually third behind only Vancouver and LA, so they're 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 third in the league in five on five. Yeah, well that's outstanding. They, yeah, yeah. So it, I, I can't imagine it's not going to come around, but yeah, they just I don't know. Like <laughs> it's tough when we're watching it, right? Because also we've all been in those situations. You think you're doing something, mm-hmm. and then you see it on film, and you go, "Oh man, I'm not." Yeah, and that's what film is called. That's why you get the clips. They get the clips sent to their phones, and they look at it and stuff. But when they're doing it, but as as fans and media watching the game, you can tell that they're not doing it. But like in their minds, they are, and it's kind of that reminder, whatever they have to do to get going. But it has to get going. Linda's upset. Pathetic that power play. Linda says, "Text the show two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Linda, not happy. Uh, this one from Ron says, "Fix the Jets' PP by parking Logan the tree." Quote, unquote, Stanley in front of the net and fire away, especially when you dress 7D. Worth a shot? Pardon the pun. That one from Ron. Uh, I'm not so sure. I, I don't think it's a personnel thing at all. I think it's about... It's moving the puck. When it's, it's puck moving. When it's done well, they've moved the puck quickly, instinctively. and done, Even the last one last night, they were making plays. Yeah. They really were. They were making plays and getting opportunities. I, I thought it was better in, this, in the third period and... Um, I thought the last one was good and what it needed to be. It's just, you know, they didn't get one. But if if it looked like that for all five of the power plays, I think they would have got one. This texter says, if the Jets lose to Chicago, I'm thinking that bonus might be gone. Well, Gasp. That, that was December 1st before the oh, Chicago Oh, sorry. Game. Oh, sorry about that. I but, pulled that but one that, But that texter says, you can't have a second-line center with two goals uh, going to have to change something up. That from, so I apologize. That was from a much earlier text. But remember that text when, when Bonus came back and they lost three in a row, and people literally were texting and, and social media. Well, and I knew us, it was. I knew the world was saying that blow maybe it they got to go back to Arneal and stuff. And I'm like, what do you? This is Bonus's system, and then they won four in a row. Yes. So for all the people who thought after losing three in a row they should get rid of Bonus, they won four in a row right after. It's look, they don't need to get rid of anybody. Chicago's coming up again in two weeks. On the 27th, right after... Uh, Did you see right the Bedard game in Edmonton last night? Oh, God. Do you want me to tell you something? Should we leave on this note to make people go, hmm. hmm. Connor Bedard, Connor McDavid, first game ever against each other. National Hockey League blocks it out. That's a very smart move by the National Hockey League. Or whoever's in charge of those. Now, maybe... That, it, was, that, that was down south. That was a TNT game. That was all over the United States last night. Maybe it prompts you... To go get the NHL package, which is why they want you to buy the NHL package, right? But I just think they could have done themselves an enormous service 
by showing Bedard versus so when you McDavid. Say, when you say that, Jim, doesn't it sound silly? Doesn't it sound silly? You know where games don't get blocked out? Right here on 680 CJOB. 7.30 pregame show. Puck drops at 9.30. Jets and Kings. Thank you very much. Jeffrey Fortier for producing the show. Jim Toth. Big take you all tonight. the way until 3 o'clock. That's it for me. We'll actually end up more. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB.